morning. Um, our reading this morning is from Colossians chapter 4, verses 7 to 18. Um, it's easy, I think, to like read passages like this that's just sort of names or these like final readings and skim over them. But as we say every week, this is God's word. And even these passages that maybe seem um, not as important, um, they are important. They are inspired by God. Um, and there is a place and a purpose for them. Um, so as we come this morning to read God's word, um, may it just settle our hearts and hear what he has to say to us. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Hierapolis. Look, the beloved physician greets you, as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Father, thank you that we can come here this morning, that we can praise you, we can worship your name, and that we can read your word. I pray that as Jeremy comes to speak, that you will give him the wisdom and the guidance um, to walk us through this passage. Father, I pray that the distractions, the worries, concerns of the week that is past or the week that is to come um, will quieten and that we will be able to settle our hearts. Um, to open our ears and our minds to what you have to say to us this morning. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. if it's working. <laughs> Probably not helping anybody out if I'm standing here quietly. Um, all right, well, hopefully that's working then. Um, 
the division with all of you guys this morning. Um, I really do mean that. Oh, shoot. Already we're going to get going. <laughs> it really is good to be here with you guys this morning. It's, it's Jackie and mine, uh, our final week. And so, um, yeah, it really is special to get to be here and sing with you guys one last time. And um, feels at this point like we've really milked our goodbye, like we've said goodbye for how many weeks now. We had lunch last week and got prayed for and we met with MC and now we're here still. It's like we're really milking this one. Um, so thanks for, for bearing with us. Um, and sending us off very well. You know, the energy is, I feel like, always very palpable, as Hannah said during readings like this, where we get to a list of names or something, these final greetings, we're like, this is the culmination of what we've been waiting for, this whole series of Colossians, um, to get to passages like this. Um, I, don't, I don't say that to make fun of uh, the passage or the literal at all. Uh, you guys know here at Village, we take the Bible, and we take God's word really seriously. And, and as Hannah already said, all scripture is um, inspired by God and useful. And so um, I'm actually, I've been really, really encouraged this week in studying the passage, probably surprisingly so if I'm honest. Um, Monday, I'd say if you'd asked me what I was preaching on, I really didn't know quite yet. Um, and then Tuesday I came in and used some of, of elders' books and, and had some study time. And um, I don't know, the Lord, I think, really just graciously um, kind of led me as I, as I prepared. And that's not typical for me. Usually when I've preached, that's not how it usually goes. It's usually quite a slow, just like building process. Um, so I, I don't know, I just felt really encouraged by that, that the Lord was at least gracious to me in this sermon. So hopefully it's um, a little bit of an encouragement to you guys. This is the final week in the series of Colossians, so it's been since September, I think, that we've been going through this book, and this will wrap it up. Um, we've seen ideas of living a life worthy of the call we've received, the gospel, um, being in Christ. We've seen the last number of weeks just really practically how we actually live out our faith in all areas of our lives and what the implications are for us. Um, it's been cool, because this was... This letter was written to a church about our church's age, five years old or so, and so it's been neat to just see the reminders that Paul gave to that church at the same kind of time in its life. Um, and so I think it's neat just as he's given, um, yeah, just warnings for possible, possible pitfalls and encourage them to stay on track and to hold fast to these ways. I think that's neat how it is just very, very relevant to us in the stage of life that our church is in. Um, and so today we wrap it up um, in anticipation of then beginning Advent next week. Everyone's excited for that. We have a lot of Christmas activities, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> and so that'll uh, get going next week. This is the final greeting, um, farewell section of the letter. It's very typical in Paul's letters. and um, He said everything that he wanted to say, and now here's just his little personal note to close with. And so um, that's kind of why I'm at. We knew that Andrew wasn't here today, and so we were going to do the send-off last week. But then he's like, hey, this is a farewell passage. You're saying farewell. Why don't you say the farewell passage? Um, so here I am. That's what got me up here. Um, 
and we'll wrap up Colossians together. Um, it is quite in Paul's life. Um, so Andrew and, and Travis encouraged me to make a personal um, kind of from, from me and Jackie as well. So we'll say a couple little things throughout it also. Um, yeah, we need each other. This is kind of, this is the, this is the, the big point for today. I'm not big into spoilers. When I preach, I usually just give away my things right off the bat. Um, but we need each other. Um, the gospel life is not a life uh, walked alone. That's what we're going to look at today. As Paul uh, mentions a bunch of people, um, he's encouraged this church to, to live a life worthy of the gospel. And now he says that we, can't, we don't walk this life alone. Um, and so we need each other. Paul even is surrounded by, um, he calls them co-workers, co-laborers, brothers, sisters, friends. And if not even Paul went at it alone, then surely we probably shouldn't either. Um, we as a body are and should be. Um, it's good, actually, to be dependent on one another. And I know that usually I'm, I'm not very good at that. I like accomplishing things, and I'm not very good at asking for help. Um, so it's good to take time and remind ourselves uh, that we do need each other for ministry or, or our own growth. And so hopefully we see that lived out this morning. So let's get into it. Um, Colossians chapter 4, um, verses 7 to 18. Starts us off looking at a guy called Tychicus. I appreciate it, Hannah. You didn't hesitate on any of the names. I love when people do that. If it's like, we have no idea how we're supposed to say these names, but when someone just reads it and powers on, I'm like, yes. Um, so anyways, that, that was very well done, Hannah. Tychicus, um, verse 7 says, Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He's a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I've sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Um, that's the first thing we see in this. And how do we live this gospel life together is we encourage one another. Tychicus um, and Onesimus, these were the two guys who um, Paul gave the letter for them to carry it to the church. So they were the ones who delivered it. We see in Acts chapter 20, verse 4, um, this guy Tychicus, he became a Christian and then, and then he served with Paul. Um, he also delivered the books of Ephesians, the letter to the Ephesians, and then Philemon as well. So this guy was definitely very, must have been very close to Paul if he was entrusted to carry his letters um, on multiple occasions. Um, but he, he says here at the end of verse 8 um, that the purpose for doing this was that he may encourage your hearts. Um, that's something cool about being part of um, this larger body as Christians. Um, even larger just than, than this local church too, but our body here and then this body next to us. But we get to hear how God is working um, somewhere else. We get to hear how he's working in lots of different ways and in lots of different lives, and that's meant to encourage our hearts. Um, and so as Tychicus came and, and he gave him an update on Paul, who's in prison at this moment, um, it's still... I find that interesting. Paul's literally in prison, and he's like, but when you hear all about it, you'll actually be encouraged. <laughs> I love that perspective that Paul had. Um, so he expects that as, 
as the church in Colossae hears what is going on in another place, that they're going to be encouraged. Um, and I think that's very, very easy to understand. You know, there's how, I think there's a lot of times when if you're just feeling down or you're feeling struggling, coming and joining with friends um, can be so, so powerful for that. You know, I can think of weeks where Jackie and I would have gone to MC and maybe we felt down or we felt like things weren't moving forward. But in hearing how others are pressing on, how others are seeing God work, um, that spurs us on and that encourages us to persevere. And so that's what's going on here. Paul says, even if you don't see what God is doing right now in your life, be encouraged that God is still doing it. Um, and I think that's really cool. Even from, I think, I don't know if this is going to make sense, but even from a, a not biblical perspective, just like a, a world perspective, you know, I feel like traveling is really encouraged. And people are like, oh, yeah, go and travel, see the world. Like, this will give you this great perspective and it'll help you, um, I don't know, just appreciate where you are and it changes how you think and all of these things. And, um, if travel is recommended just in general for these reasons, then, man, surely, like, as Christians, we have even more reason where, not necessarily to travel, but we can um, have all the same perspective where we get to hear about how God is working all around the world in different ways, broaden our horizons, and, and not be stuck just in our little corner of um, South Belfast, but we can hear how God is working in um, our broader community our city and our country and the whole world and I think that's meant to encourage our hearts so shameless plug here if you want to be encouraged make sure you sign up for Jackie and my uh, updates um, hopefully at some point they will encourage you um, but that is what we keep in mind as and not even mine just mine and Jackie but find other missionaries find churches I don't know find anything um because it really does, it gives you this perspective of, man, even if I can't see it right now in my own life, God is doing something, um, and that's meant to spur us on. And so that's how we can encourage one another. Um, not just um, for the sake of, like, of making us feel good or be like, yeah, I'm not so down, like I'm encouraged. Um, but even specifically, this encouragement to persevere um, in our faith, to pursue holiness. And to and if we see Epaphras's prayer, we'll get there later on. He totally echoes this idea. Um, yeah, and so that's a great benefit of being part of a body of living the gospel life and walking it together, is that we can encourage one another. Um, you know, when Jackie and I were sharing for uh, about what we're going to be doing in Italy, she went to each of the MCs. When we had joined ours, we didn't really like try any other ones. We just went to one and we were there and we're like, yeah, good. Um, but it was really fun to go and see each of the different MCs and they all have like their own unique um, kind of vibe or flavor. And, but honestly, what was so encouraging was going and seeing like, wow, this MC, they're all like really just looking for ways that they're seeing God work in their move and they're seeing ways that God is working in their workplace um, or seeing this MC is really praying for their family members and um, just catching like how that little bit of how God is working in 
the different MCs was so, so encouraging to us. And I think that's what um, is at the heart here, is that when we see how God's working um, beyond just ourselves, then we can be encouraged to persevere. Then if we continue reading, verse 9, um, it says, And with him, so with Tychicus, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is with us. They will tell you of everything that's taking place. Onesimus is the other one who carried the letter with Tychicus. Um, this guy is interesting. So he's the, the subject of the letter to Philemon. And so Onesimus was a, was a slave of Philemon's. And, and first of all, that's slightly different than what I think slavery nowadays. Uh, he lived in that and worked for Philemon, and, um, but he was paid. It wasn't like this ownership type of deal, and, and even in Jewish culture, there was ways for them. It wasn't for life. Like, he wasn't owned and, and bought and all this. He was more of an employee who lived at the home and did all these different things. Um, anyways, Onesimus had run away um, from Philemon. Somehow, we don't really know, he must have encountered Paul, and he got saved, um, and now he's working with Paul. And so the letter of Philemon is Paul basically sends him back because he's like, it's not right of you to, to desert your, your, um, your master. But he also sends this letter where he's like, but Onesimus has become so valuable to me. If you'd let him go, he's very useful. Um, so anyways... That's Onesimus. That's his story. He's um, been the slave. He's been converted. Um, and look at what, how Paul describes him now. Um, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother. Um, so Onesimus has had quite a, quite a transformation in his life from going from somebody's slave to now a faithful and beloved brother. And I think what that teaches us is in the church, there's no status um, other than brother and sister. We are all equal. And that may feel like a little bit like out there. That's not really like your typical thing. It's like, oh, how do I do that? How do I? Um, you know, but practically, when we look around the church, do you see what neighborhood somebody comes from? Do you see how old or how young they are? What kind of job they have? What kind of? Um, money are they making? Um, or do we see each other as brothers and sisters in Christ? And I think that's a great challenging reminder for us that in the church there is no status um, other than brother and sister. We need to consider each other as equals. Um, and as we continue reading down, it's, this is fleshed out in another way as well. From verse 10, it says, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, and Mark, your cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him, and Jesus, who is called Justice. These are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God. And they've been a great comfort to me. Um, so we see that, that Paul is not worried about uh, maybe your social standing. There's a slave who's now become faithful and beloved brother, um, but here too, now he, Paul's ministry was primarily towards Gentiles, but here he highlights how he's working with these three guys um, who are Jewish. So he's got Gentiles, he's reaching Gentiles, but he's got Jewish brothers and sisters as well who they're um, working together, 
Aristarchus, we see traveled with Paul quite a lot. We saw it in Acts. You can see Acts chapter 19. It's also mentioned in the letter to Philemon. Um, it's currently in prison with Paul, but um, yeah, he's mentioned quite a, quite a number of times throughout the New Testament. Uh, this guy, Jesus, who's called Justice as well, we don't know really much about him. This is his one little shout-out in the Bible. We don't see him in Acts or anything, um, but we see him here that he's provided comfort to Paul, um, as well as Mark, and so who I'll come back to later. But this kind of, in my mind, this is all calling back to um, chapter 3, verse 11, where Paul says, Here there is no Greek and Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. He said that, and then now as he like fleshes out who his buddies are, we literally see there's Greeks, there's Jews, there's slave, there's free, and he's just like unconcerned about it. All of these, these are the guys who Paul has um, gathered around him ministry partners and so there isn't racial divides there isn't social standing um, none of these things need to be a factor in our church or to consider each other equals next um, we read Mark the cousin of Barnabas um, but I want to come back to him a little bit so in verse 10 he's mentioned here um Mark has an interesting story, sometimes called John Mark. Um, he's a cousin of Barnabas. He was a missionary companion of Paul. He is the, very likely, anyways, the author of the Gospel of Mark. Um, but his story is fascinating because in Acts chapter 15, Paul and Barnabas have been working together for quite some time. Um, we don't know exactly what Mark did, but he must have done something where Paul decided he wasn't trustworthy. So when they're deciding, Paul and Barnabas, where they're going to go on their next steps of their journey, they end up getting into this disagreement over Mark because Paul doesn't want to travel with him anymore. He says he's unreliable, but Barnabas is like, no, I want to go with this guy. And so they literally split ways. Paul goes somewhere and he takes um, the other guy in Acts. I can't remember. Paul goes the one way, and then Barnabas takes Mark, and they go the other way. And they literally split up because Paul didn't want to work with this guy named Mark. And so what's interesting is we don't see anything directly happen between the two of them later on. So we don't know what's happened between then and now. But clearly there's some sort of reconciliation taking place. Because now Paul um, has included him as a fellow um, worker. He says that he's provided uh, great comfort to him, their fellow worker in the kingdom of God. So we don't know exactly what happened between Paul and, and Mark, but we know that they've reconciled to get to this point. And so that's a great model for us as well, is within the church, we need to see reconciliation. Because sometimes doing life or doing ministry together can get complicated. But I think Jesus so highlights the need for unity within the church. He, um, there's that famous line where he says, after he's been resurrected, um, people like the world will know that we are his followers by our love for one another. 
his final prayers over the church is that he says he prays to God um, that we would find unity in one another. Um, it was a huge um, that the church would get along. You know, that's meant to, to show something to the world. And it can be complicated. It can be messy and, and difficult. Um, but it's absolutely necessary that we pursue this reconciliation with one another. And that's a big part, not just for a healthy body to get along and to flourish, but that that's what the world sees. I think so often the church can give such a negative example because people just see all of the different fractions or fractures within the church um, when we're meant to be one unified body. And so we need to pursue that. Um, kind of contrary to that, I'll maybe just jump in and say this now. Later down um, in verse 14, Luke, the beloved physician, greets him ever. Um, here we actually see, really sadly, um, the other side of the story, where this guy Demas, who's mentioned here, seems like um, he's on good terms right now. He's meant to be this church. Um, but we see in 2 Timothy 4, verse 10, that later on, it says, Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Um, so this is the opposite side of, of thing, reconciliation. Demas, instead of staying true, holding on to the gospel, has fallen in love with the world, and we don't know exactly what that means, um, but he leaves. And... I just think how much that must break God's heart to see this church falling apart like this, people leaving along the way. And I know that so many people can get turned off from the church because of, of issues within the church, not because of um, the Bible or theology or something, but because of problems with people. And they can end up like Demas, they can walk away altogether. So there's a lot at stake when we talk about reconciliation. There's people, there's souls that we need to pursue reconciliation so that they can fall away. Then if we continue reading verse 12, you just struggle, struggle in prayer for one another. Um, Epaphras sets us a great example of this. It says, verse 12, Epaphras, who's one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. Epaphras is kind of cool, the um, planter of this church in Colossae. It wasn't Paul who planted this church, and we see that back in chapter 1, and makes it it was, um, it was Epaphras who shared the gospel. Um, Demas um, was the one who, who started this church in Colossae. Um, and he even likely either founded or played a key role in some of the other churches in the region as well. Um, he was imprisoned with Paul at some point. Here it seems like he's, uh, he's brought news to Paul of 
of how good the, Colossi- the church in Colossae is doing. Um, but in, in Philemon, we see he, he at different times is also in prison with Paul. Um, but I love this word, struggling. Struggling means enduring through suffering. Um, and look what he's praying for. He's not just praying for, um, I don't want to say needy, but lots of things that are good. Um, but he's praying specifically for their spiritual well-being. He prays that they, mit- that they would stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. And that's what he's struggling for. He's persevering in his prayers for these people who have become so dear to him, that they, um, that they would stand mature, that they wouldn't fall away, that they would have full assurance um, of their status before God. That's such a beautiful thing. I know that in this long, drawn-out goodbye, we've been prayed for a lot, um, and we really appreciate that. Beck and I really, um, really covet your prayers. This is what we would ask prayer for more than anything. There's lots of practical things that we could ask prayer for. But would you mostly struggle on our behalf that we would stand mature and fully assured of you. That we would not fall away, that we would never turn our eyes from you. If, um, if you're going to pray for us, would you pray for that? Because really all the other things don't really matter if <laughs> we're not doing that. If we're not keeping our eyes fixed on the gospel, then really all the other things don't matter. Pray first and foremost um, for that and for one another. How meaningful would that be if that's what our, our prayer times are focused on? And honestly, I think in a lot of ways, um, coming to these fortnightly prayers, they are focused on things like this. Um, they're not on the little details of our lives, but they're so focused on um, meaningfully praying for one another, struggling on, on the behalf of others who aren't yet in our church, also come to those, shameless plug again, come to the fortnightly prayer. Um, if you want a practical way of how do I struggle for someone in prayer, just come out to the prayer meeting. That's a great start. And we can continue on. Um, we see, we see um, yeah, verse 13 says, I bear witness that Epaphras has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in probably Epaphras had something to do with the churches there. Verse 14 says, Luke, the beloved physician, greets you. This is the Luke who wrote um, the Gospel of Luke and Acts, considered a co-worker of Paul, uh, doctor. Again, here's that whole idea of we got a doctor, we got Luke on one side, and then we got literally a slave on the other side. And I mean, in our church, we got quite a few doctors, actually. For how small a church we are, I feel like we have at least three, quite a few members. We don't have any slaves necessarily, but um, we have artists, probably pretty close. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, hopefully you artists are getting along well. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, and then that's where Demas is mentioned. Luke, below, the beloved physician, greets you. Um, give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea. Nympha and the church in her heart. Um, 
this is a, a cool call to us to collaborate with other churches. I love how that's actually built um, kind of into the DNA of the church, partially through just partnerships with Acts 29. And, but you know, there's this partnership with uh, Village East that exists as our, our sister church. Um, but even beyond that, there's, there's other levels of partnership, um, seeking to get involved in the community collaborate where possible with churches and others um, to accomplish things that we couldn't accomplish for ourselves. Even, I suppose, to a degree, the, a partnership with a food bank is like that. Where, um, we're not partnering with them for theological things or intellectual things directly, um, but we're trying to seek to accomplish a goal that's way bigger than we could accomplish on our own. Um, and that's what we see here. There's other churches in the area, Laodicea and Hierapolis. There's a church in Nymphas House. We don't know a whole lot about Nympha either. Um, the church seems that's what it says in the passage. Um, but I think that's cool that we can collaborate and build those relationships. So there's all of these practical things within our local body that we can do to seek to live a gospel life together. But even it needs to extend a little bit beyond that too, where we we're part of broader body than just Village South Belfast. And finally, um, verse 17, Paul encourages um, guy Archippus, says, say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you've received from the Lord. We don't know exactly what his, his role was um, in the church. We don't know exactly what this ministry is, but um, it's possible, actually, he's a member of Philemon's house based on he's mentioned in Philemon, but that doesn't really make a difference. Um, but here, Paul clearly encourages him, fulfill what God has called you to do. Um, and so we need to encourage each other to do those ways to step out where God's calling us um, and be faithful in that. Notice how he receives this ministry, um, not from the church, not from Paul, but from God the ministry received from the Lord. Um, and I think that's um, just a great perspective for us to take here, um, is that when we serve, whether it's here in the church or ministry or, or whatever it looks like, that um, this is a service unto the Lord. And yeah, just what a great perspective it is to have. I'd say thanks for letting us jump in on this journey. Thanks for letting us see Akina you know, just practically, I think, like, serving is one of the best ways to be connected in a church. So if you're looking to build community, try to deepen your relationships so that you have these people to walk the gospel life with, jump in and serve. Um, and serving together, that I think often those, those relationships are built and deepened. Um, yeah, thanks for letting us jump in and serve and, and for affirming our gifts and for affirming us now as we're going to Italy. Um, you know, even a, a really encouraging moment for me was when I was going to, I just got here and then they're like, hey, why don't you lead this curriculum thing for the kids? Um, and I was, I'd happily do that, but I don't want to like step on anybody's toes uh, or anything like that because I was just brand new here. And and someone said to me that verse from, from Esther where it's like, maybe you're here for such a time as this. But you 
just for, for a year to be able to invest. That was a big encouragement for me. That stuck out to me. And Paul, Paul ends it with that. He says, I, Paul, write this for you with my own hand. Remember my chains. You know, often I feel like the letters end with something like that. It wouldn't be, it would be very normal for someone else to have actually written most of the letter as Paul um, spoke it, but then Paul takes it off and, and writes the final <laughs> greeting with his own hand. Um, maybe one of the, the biggest lies of our generation that little box that says, I have read and agree with Christians. How many of you have like ever actually read, maybe it's, there's someone out here, I don't know, who actually reads and scrolls through the terms and but in a way, that's kind of what, what Paul is doing here. He's like, I've read and agree to what is written on my behalf in this letter. <laughs> and he signs it off. Um, and he says that this is good. And he approves. Um, that brings us to the end of Colossians. But notice how he addresses his, all the titles he uses throughout um, this passage. Faithful minister, fellow servant, <laughs> dear brother, really has grown close to these people who he has, um, he's served with, who have done ministry with him, who are in church together. Um, and I would say just from a personal note that that's how Jackie and I will address all of you as well as our dear friends, as our beloved brothers and sisters, as our fellow workers, So for that, I would just say thank you. We're excited to see how your church grows and grows from here. Um, when we come back in, in six months and then periodically from then on, um, I hope that we will recognize fewer and fewer faces as we come back, not because you guys are gone and leaving, um, but because more and more people are coming in um, and how cool it would be to come back and see um, allow our hearts to be encouraged as well by what's going on here. Um, that would be great. So I guess to conclude, it's kind of a lot of points. I feel like normally when we do this, oh, I'll get three points and hash it out. And I was like, these are just the little quick bullet points that I saw. Encourage one, one another. Consider each other equals. Pursue reconciliation. Struggle in prayer for one another. Collaborate with other churches and encourage each other. That's a cool way of um, seeing how Paul built um, this community around him and hope that those things will be practically lived out in our church. But to conclude, I guess, how is this all possible? Um, it's through the gospel. The village always, I feel like, tries to bring it back to the gospel. But the verses in Colossians chapter 1, 21 and 22. As you were once, were, sorry, it says, and you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he's now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. That's, how, that's where this unity comes from, is the fact that you and I have been reconciled to Christ 
been brought in. We're called holy and blameless. Um, I don't know when I hear those words, often I'm like, wow, that's amazing. Like, I'm called holy and blameless. I've, like, been reconciled with God. I've been brought into his family. I've drawn close to him. Um, that's true. That's very good. It's good that I remember those things as well. Um, but I think if, if we think about it from a community perspective, um, a unity perspective, it's also good to remember that the person on your right is holy and blameless. The person to your left has been brought into this family and reconciled with God. And I think that's what we need to keep in mind as well, is it's not just that, that I've been saved. Every single one of us here um, has experienced this reconciliation with God. And I think that really changes your thinking on how you treat another person. If I'm like annoyed at Travis, Travis, but if I was, if I remind myself, he is loved by God, he's been reconciled through the gospel, he's holy and blameless, my beloved brother in the church, it's going to be harder, a lot harder. I'm going to have to be very stubborn, I think, to stay really, really mad at him. And then that's on me. That's probably a lot less on Travis. Um, my youth pastor, I feel like, used to always try to be interactive with us. And so, like, in this situation, I could see him being like, everyone turn to your left and say, you are holy and blameless. And, like, turn to your right and say, you are reconciled with God. And I always hated doing that thing, so I'm not going to ask you to do it. But if you want to, if you need to tell someone that they're holy and blameless and reconciled with God, go right ahead and tell them that. Um, I definitely won't stop it. But... Um, that's where this unity comes from. That's how we can walk this gospel life together. Um, it's because we've all experienced God's grace in our lives. Um, so with that, I think we'll come to the table. And then that will come up. You know, maybe this is really random, but I'm going to share this after. You know what um, is a good way you can encourage one another? Um, is just by showing up. I do this really... Maybe this is weird of me, but I love how we do communion here. I'd never been to a church where everyone kind of comes up to it. It was always like passed, the stuff was passed out. But I love how we like line up when we come here because I like, <laughs> this is so weird. I like watching all of you guys as you come up um, because, not because I'm like weird like watching you all, but because it honestly encourages my heart. The fact, just the fact that you've showed up and you're walking to the front to take communion means that you're proclaiming to every other person in this room the gospel. And so the fact that you just come and are here to do this um, is already, it's, that's the first point of, of sharing what God has done in our lives to encourage one another. Just by doing this, you do that. So come and watch each other as you line up and, and you see, wow, God has saved Jess. Wow, look what God's done in Liam's life what he's done in Haley's life. As every one of you comes up and takes the bread and the wine, just doing that together is, I don't know, it encourages me anyways, so be creepy and, and watch each other as you do communion, I guess. Um, yeah, Trav, will you come up and lead us in that? Thanks, Jeremy. Yeah, I... Uh Trying to follow that, um, watching everyone come up and take communion together thing. But I think it's really true. Um, I love the passage you closed with. Um, I'm going to read it again for us one more time as we get ready to take our uh, do our time of communion together. Um, 
in Colossians chapter 1, um, Paul wrote this. He said, and you once were alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds. He is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Um, every week we close with communion. Um, it's a meal that we share together that reminds us of the gospel and specifically of the saving work of Jesus' death on the cross and of his resurrection. And we do this because it's the foundation um, for everything else that we do in our Christian lives, as a church. Um, just It's foundational to everything. And so um, everything we've read and learned about this morning, it's all, like Jeremy was saying, it's all built on the, on the reality that Jesus came to earth, which we're going to celebrate during Christmas, that he lived a perfect life, that he died for our sins, so that the sinfulness we had, he took, and the righteousness he has, he gave to us. And it's an amazing gift. And so um, that's why we do communion together. Um, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, um, he took bread, and we had given him thanks. He had broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the co uh, new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And just like Jeremy was saying, it's something we want to proclaim. That when we come and take the bread and the cup, we proclaim um, what Christ has done for us. And so as we do this morning, um, as we take this bread that was broken just like Christ's body was, and as we take the wine and drink it and remember the death that Jesus died so that we might live. Um, I encourage you all, sure, to watch one another and reflect and celebrate the fact that God's done something amazing in all of our lives, but also to reflect on your own about what God has done in your own life. I want to pray for this real quick, and then we'll share it all together. Father God, thank you for um, your word, and thank you for communion. Thank you that we can do this every week together as a family, and only made a family um, because of what Christ has done on the cross. God, as we remember your broken body that was broken for us um, and the blood that you shed, which is the blood of the new covenant that you've made with us um, to love us, to forgive us, that we might have Christ's righteousness, that we might be made right with you. Um, God, I pray that we would really appreciate that in this moment. And it's your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. My name is graven on his hands, my name is written on his heart I know that while in heaven he stands no tongue can be 